coming up on this week's episode of RSVP. I sent a picture and sent it to my daughter. She said, are you at your own funeral? There's personalisation for good, there's personalisation for comfort, and then there's personalisation that's just a little bit weird. My friend accosted someone coming out of a Soho house the other day. They had a lamp, a whole lamp. It's time for a little RSVP, the show full of rants and stories, visions and pains and so much more with special guests and fun galore. Hotels, destinations, nightmares and dreams, confessions and everything in between. So sit back, relax, pour a wine or whiskey, get comfy, cause it's time for RSVP. Hello and welcome to RSVP, the podcast for events and travel professionals looking for a bit of inspiration and a lot of fun. I'm quite excited because for the first time ever we're having a guest that's a little bit of a curveball and that is Juliet Kinsman, the sustainability ed- editor for Condé Nast Traveller. Thank you so much. I've never been called, I've been called bonkers before, but I'm not sure about curveball. Now you're a curveball. Because most of the time our guests are event planners, um, but I thought You've, you've just you've just talked at our event recently at uh, the CNIT Incentives Retreat. You were just so inspirational, so awe-inspiring that I thought, you need to be on our podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, I'm certainly an event attendee. I go to lots of trade shows and I, I'm really happy to be on this podcast because I do think about all the things you probably create a lot. Well, and the best thing is, is a lot of what we're going to discuss are travel memories and you know, all of these kind of inspirational things that as a journalist in our industry, we get to do it probably more so than most event planners. But also your sustainability hat tells me that you're going to be able to kind of impart lessons and wisdom to our community that that go beyond anyone else. So you're building me up. I hope I can deliver. I'm building, building (laughs) and building. So, you know, it's all pressure now. It's all pressure. (laughs) The first part of RSVP is the R. And that stands for rant. So this is your opportunity to just get on your soapbox and, and you know, technically because you're once removed from the industry, you can really like have a go. So what is your rant? I'm not known for pulling my punches, even if I'm working, even if I'm speaking to people I actually work with. So don't Love worry it. about that. <laughs> so I would probably rant about this for your podcast, but generally I rant about this all the time. It's the proliferation of stuff, our obsession with things. Our idea of making each other happy by giving gifts, corporate gifts, amenities, all those things destined, I'm afraid, for landfill. I get it. The amount of times I go to a trade show and do you know what? The, the, the first time that I got a USB stick, I was like, this is amazing because I need this, I'll use this and, and I do. The tenth time, I was like, there is only so much storage one man needs in in USB form, and I've certainly exceeded that. And let's be honest, we all send each other the cloud. cloud. We have the cloud, exactly. We've got the cloud now. Which also has a carbon footprint, but that's another conversation for another day. So what we really need to do is reduce our addiction to single-use disposability, as though somehow our currency of of respect or or generosity is through, let's be honest, they all come from the same factories in China. So it's not, even if it's embossed with the name of a hotel in Portugal or Morocco or wherever, it's still the same junk. And I have so many pens, so many pens. Like I, I thought, you know, you can have more than one pen because they run out, but I've got to the point where my free pen to usage ratio is 
is is well out of kilter. So if it's a good pen and it surprises and delights and it brings back a little memory, maybe that's okay, right? But for me, the thing that's unacceptable are those tiny little plastic shampoo, conditioner, mm. shower gel bottles. We have got to eliminate those. So if I were going to rant about stuff, it would be in particular toiletries. Just use refillable bottles. People think it can't be a luxury. Aman hotels or resorts, they've always been doing it that way. So really, we just need to get rid of the single-use junk. Yeah, I completely agree. And it would probably save those hotels money because the thefts were, are completely limited. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I'm getting the feeling that you do actually quite like those little toiletries to take away. I, I'm feeling seen. I have potentially, possibly, almost always stolen something from the hotel room. But I would say that is part of my own sustainability agenda. To, Hoteliers to... are literally nailing everything down. Yeah, as you they say are. That. They're literally <laughs> lamps, everything. Do you know what? Sometimes I even go through lobbies and I'm like, that's a really nice little fox ornament. Or, oh, I love that decoration. I'm like, is it is it too big to take? Is that part of it? You know, you know paying to stay somewhere doesn't mean you actually can take. I my, can't, can't take it. My friend accosted someone coming out of a Soho house the other day. They had a lamp, a whole lamp. That's can you believe it? That's ridiculous. That's actually too far. <laughs> I mean... I, I will take anything that is disposable, the little shampoos, you know, perhaps a magazine if I'm allowed or something. But yeah, no, a lamp. If you have to unplug something, you've gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> the next part of our podcast is the S. And this is where you get to tell us some of your stories of your most memorable experiences. The first that I'd like to hear about is your most memorable destination experience. Well, it's going to be in a small island off the coast of, can you guess where I was born? What country? You said Canada, right? I did. So It's I'm off the coast of Canada. Of, okay, nice. Easternmost point of the Americas in Newfoundland. I was going to say, is it Newfoundland? And do you know where it is? No, but I'm thinking of Come From Away, the musical. Oh, I, okay. Come From Away is ga about Gander, which is, so you've got Newfoundland and Labrador. Uh, I'm actually thinking of Fogo Island Inn, which is not far from there. That's such a great musical. People should, should watch that. It really is. No, Fogo Island Inn has an interesting story in that it was, it was one of the biggest sort of, well, all the fishermen who lived there would have been selling more cod than anyone else. And then the sanctions in the 90s meant that they ended up with no jobs and no economy. So my absolute hero is someone called Zita Cobb. And she was born the fifth of six children to an illiterate fisherman, born in a little cottage that didn't have running water or electricity. She went on to retire in her 50s as the highest paid woman in Canada. Wow. Right? Okay, she comes from Fogo Island. And that island is where she built the hotel Fogo Island Inn, which is an absolute model for sustainable luxury. So that's why I love it. I also had my honeymoon there, not with the person I had my honeymoon with anymore, but it's still happy memory. Amazing hotel. I love, I love finding out about these corners of the earth that you just don't know exist. You know, everybody thinks Canada, they think Toronto, Montreal, Quebec, you know, Lake Louise, but a little remote island between Newfoundland and Labrador never would have even imagined it. And I, I love that. And I think that's where we forget the word luxury. If we really think about what does luxury mean, it, mean, it should mean rare. It should mean rare. Yes. So that's what I, you know, mainstream things you can get anywhere. Therefore, it's not, you can get luxury butter these days in the supermarket. Luxury should mean rare. The next story I'd like you to tell is your most memorable hotel experience. So my most memorable hotel experience would actually be something that isn't a hotel. 
It's hospitality. I've just visited it. You won't have any other journalists that have been there yet even. It's called Tiskmudin. Tiskmudin is a tiny village in southern Morocco and it's as though they've opened, well, three little houses in, in a, imagine a, a UNESCO world monument and it's done with the Global Heritage Fund. Now you're all about event planning. The person who created this, he used to be an event planner actually, He's Thierry Tessier, and he's behind a hotel called Dar Alam in Morocco, which is incredible. Imagine it totally experiential. They don't have a lobby, they don't have a bar, not traditional hotel style. You just get ushered in, in your room over here, you don't have keys. Well, Tiskmudin is his new regenerative, he calls it, he calls it regenerative tourism, he calls it micro-hospitality. And so this little village that now is abandoned 50 years ago, there were people living there. There are probably a hundred different families living there. It's a sort of, um, I imagine it's all like rammed earth, exactly as you would picture in the desert near the Sahara. And what he wants to do, it's a community-based tourism project, is we would go there as guests. We would have this rare travel experience and we would really learn from their culture, experience it. We hear the word authenticity all the time, but rarely do we actually experience it we would have this cultural exchange and we would leave all the richer from the experience whilst leaving money in the pockets of the locals who really, really need it, particularly with a climate emergency. You can imagine communities around the Sahara, uh, they really need this much more mindful, considerate approach to tourism. I'm, I'm kind of speechless. Like that is possibly the best answer we've ever had in four seasons of this podcast. That's Fantastic. I, I love the idea of that. I, I've not been to Morocco yet, but now I want to go even more because I want to go to that very specific site. Honestly, Callum, if I could magic you there, you, you wouldn't always thank me. That's the other moment, is, is we, we think luxury is always about being comfortable. So there's no plumbing there. There's no electricity. So they do have, they've had to create sort of like safari camp toilet situations. Imagine yeah. chemical loos or whatever. So you're only going to stay there two days, but it's done in such a theatrical, magical way by Thierry. And you would thank me as you leave. You just feel like, wow, I'll never experience anything like that ever again. The final story that I'd like you to relive is your most memorable food experience. So I've been very lucky. I've been a journalist for almost three decades. I was founding editor of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. So I went to lots of very fancy restaurants and hotel restaurants. But when I think about how I felt, and if we think food nourishes us, it was on a cycling holiday with slow cyclist through Transylvania in Romania. And what they would do, we have our, I had an electric bike, I admit. So you'd ride along and they would plot out all these stops where you'd stop in a local cottage or a farmhouse and they'd laid all the local food out for you and you would eat. Again, it's nothing fancy. It just was completely from that area, fresh, fresh from the garden, totally nutritious. Romanian wines are excellent, by the way. Uh, and, and then get back on your bike not too much Romanian wine. <laughs> and um, it, was, it was really the experience of home cooking and the produce, really tasting those ingredients. Very simple, knowing that you're, you're supporting tiny, tiny little far, you know, farming communities. Yes, so it tasted good. It, it tasted good and it also left a good taste in your mouth. I have to admit, when you said Transylvania, I was worried this was going to go down like a vampire route for a second, um, but it didn't. And I love that. That's another option. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> some people are into that. If that's you go to certainly memorable. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I think that's great. And food experiences always, 
you know, we talk about this quite often that it's actually multi-sensory. It's not just about what you're tasting. It's about the whole experience around the food. And I think cycling around and going to the local farms and, you know, all of those elements before you've even tasted it tie into what makes that such a great And experience. the fact that I can't remember, I'm also terrible at remembering specific dishes, but it's just the fact that that bread's been home cooked that day, mm. or the, the salad, you know, each thing tastes delicious. It doesn't have to be fancy. I'm sure that we had traditional farmhouse soups. Uh, and, and, and you can see the people who've made it. You can see the people who've grown what you're eating. The next section of RSVP is the V, and this is about visions. Visions of your dream event, the, the type of event that reality and budget doesn't even come into it. There are no limitations whatsoever. Now, you're not an event planner as such, but as you say, you've been to enough events in your life and, and also everyone has an imagination. So what would your dream event look like? So I think my dream event would be a lot like the hotel I described. It would be all, all about being experiential, regenerative and community-based. So people often ask me where they should host trade shows or events and obviously lots of destinations are set up specifically. I would say just look what community needs our money and our business. Go there. It's going to be more challenging. That's the thing about doing things differently, about being a disruptor, being a trailblazer. You won't have it set up but try and create an event where you're really at eye level with the local people and people are going to have an experience that leaves them with memories which is much much more important than just as glamorous as a party can be and I've gone to lots you know it's just more is more those dreadful buffets where all the food waste I can't even look at it and we all just I mean we have fun we drink we dance but ha imagine if you are meeting people where you know that just by being there hosting your event there you could completely transform them financially. The economic sustainability, the socio-economic sustainability of that is immeasurable. So I'm challenging whoever's listening to this to find a way to do a community-based event. I, what I really like about that is that um, I often talk about the fact that flights don't have to be demonised when you're doing long-haul events or, or incentives or anything like that because you're still contributing to the local community. There's a socioeconomic impact. You know, if you're going to a third world country and you're bringing 100 people there to, to do good and you're investing and giving them money and stuff, you can change um, a, a local economy. What's interesting about most events is that they are limited by logistics and they are limited by where the nearest airport is, whether there are hotels nearby, this, that and the other. But this is a dream event, so there are no limitations. So the idea of that, you know, you magically teleport people to a community that no one could normally reach, um, but would superiorly benefit from, you know, having people and money injected into that. I think it's great. It's fantastic. So you're exactly right. It's a fantasy, but there are aspects of this that people can still take away. If you're going to bring everyone, you're exactly right. You need to have all that practical, the accommodation. But if you are hosting an event, if you can host a side event or a little day trip or an outing that still involves this enrichment of a community. And as you say, sustainability isn't just about the environment. It's about wealth distribution through international travel. It's profound. And it's about an exchange of ideas and a better understanding of people cultivates compassion and empathy and makes us really care more about those people on the front line of extreme weather. I knew that you, you being on this podcast, I'm getting goosebumps just from like, you, yes, thank you. The final part of the podcast is pains. 
And this is where anonymous listeners write in with their pains and you get to react. Okay, so here's a confession that has been submitted. Dear Callum, for years now in the industry, we have been talking about personalization and how important it is. And don't get me wrong, I totally agree. When you check into a hotel room and your favorite drink is waiting for you on the table, it creates such a nice feeling of just being seen and appreciated. What's more, in our roles, we are forever spoilt. We are often on the receiving end of a room drop and sometimes are gifted with something new every turndown service. However, one time in particular, I felt the level of personalization went too far. Is it gonna be the photograph and the frame? Uh, do you know what? <laughs> there's two things about Sorry. this, there's two things about this confession. Firstly, I wasn't expecting your rant, but your rant ties so perfectly okay. in with just room drops in general because of that whole theme. Secondly, wait for this. I checked into the hotel, got my key, headed to my room, and when I entered, I saw something I really did not expect. It was a photo of me and my cat framed <laughs> on my bedside table. You've had this too. Yeah, it is really freaky. I've had it a few times. It's just the last thing I want. I sent a picture and sent it to my daughter. She said, are you at your own funeral? <laughs> it's so bizarre, it's isn't like it? It's like a memorial service. The only time it, ha it happened to me once where <laughs> on the trip we had photos taken of us and then the next day that photo was in the trip. Well, so at least that's relevant. It's a memento. Exactly. It's a souvenir. Yeah. So this confession continues. It was taken from my personal Instagram account. <gasps> that's the same as me. And while the level of social stalking was impressive, I probably wouldn't be keen on any image of me being framed and gifted to me. What's more, my cat had recently passed away. Oh no, oh no. Well, it is, that's a good anecdote, sorry. I mean, it's a great anecdote. Oh, that's but... so weird. Oh, yeah. It was a memorial service for them. <laughs> a little candle. That's, I mean, it's just, it's invasive. Some people love that stuff. That's the problem. Yeah. So we all have, I mean, in this world, we all have, I don't know how you sense check that before you do it. It's cultural differences as well. I think, I think certain cultures would love it. Some, you know, yeah. maybe perhaps, perhaps the British wouldn't as much. But then I wonder if they got it from her Instagram, I wonder if it was a post saying my cat has died here they I am. Didn't but they just didn't read the caption or something oh or just you know they've, they've gone to a level of stalking but they haven't really gone thorough enough to realize okay no that cat is dead we probably shouldn't frame that so that's oh gosh that's so crazy isn't it and also the other thing that we're, we're neglecting here personalization should feel like they've you're complicit anyway it should feel like they've asked you or they've remembered something about you it shouldn't be that they've you know They've, they've done it through espionage. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a fine line, isn't there, between personalization and privacy. And, you know, when you go into a hotel and your favorite drink or your newspaper of choice is, is there and they say, welcome back, it's lovely to see you or something like that, you do feel like, oh, wow, they really, they really know me. But then when they're like, oh, by the way, uh, we've, we've given you this because we noticed your blood sugar was low and uh, <laughs> your, you know, your diabetes are acting up or this, and you'll be like, wait, 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 what, what? How do you know this much, you know? I think anything that feels human and, and kind and meaningful, but it, that isn't human because you haven't had an exchange with them yet. Mm, yeah, it's, it's odd. And this one is, is just the perfect example of, like you say, we've, we've had photos in frames before, but the cat, I wonder maybe, perhaps they knew the cat died and they thought, oh, this is a nice way to, 
you know. Funeral service. Yeah. She probably didn't, yeah, I hadn't thought to have one. I really don't know. I think personalization has to, that also feels like it's personalization from an SOP, so a standard operating practice, a corporate level yeah. personalization. Yeah. And that jars, right? Yeah. So it's, it's very hard. I mean, different people have, have different reactions. I love the idea of them checking in with me. I wish they'd do a green personalization. So they said to you in advance, you know, what, what kind of thing would you like? I'd say, well, I'd like the air conditioning not to be up too high or the heating up to be hot, too high. Mm. I don't need loads of pillows. I don't need loads of towels. So if you per personalize it to my own sustainability uh, values, that would be ideal. Let's see more of that. That is, that is true. And they are, I guess, doing more of those like, oh, if you don't want us to wash your towels, don't throw it on the floor type thing. But like you said, once you've checked out, they're probably changing all of the towels anyway, and they're probably changing all of the sheets and this, that, and the other. So yeah, I think there's personalization for good. There's personalization for, for comfort. And then there's personalization that's just a little bit weird. I think personalization for positive impact. Yeah. That's, that's what this podcast has just coined. There we go. We're going to put that as a hashtag. And just, just thank, thankfully, that particular hotel didn't have access to a taxidermy. <laughs> oh no, or diamond. Or well, they could have made a diamond. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. And um, I, I'm equally as inspired, but also like, you know, empowered by, by some of the things you said. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much.